going to talk about what's going on out there. It sounds like another busy day for some BC ministers. Yes. So you've got a couple of uh, BC ministers going to Ottawa on Friday to talk with the their provincial counterparts and the two federal ministers. BC is leading the way and lobbying for Ottawa to change the criminal code to tighten bail. Um, tighten up bail. The uh, B.C. government uh, is of the view, as other provinces are, that Ottawa's amendments to the criminal code back in 2019 lightened, weakened bail provisions in Canada, and that's been one of the major contributors to the problem we now have in our downtowns, uh, British Columbia foremost among them, the problem of chronic offenders, random attacks, uh, what has been called, I think fairly, a catch-and-release justice system. So uh, yesterday in the House, Simi, the Liberals brought up more examples of these kind of abuses, uh, hit the NDP with them, and Farnworth, the Solicitor General, got up and said, look, uh, we're concerned about this issue. We think the problem is the country needs to reform its bail provisions. That's Ottawa's responsibility. And he and the Attorney General, Nikki Sharma, are headed for Ottawa on Friday to lobby for those changes. Right, but there hasn't been exactly a hugely welcoming situation from the Justice Minister, has there? You know, there? I, I think that's true, Simi, and we've suspected it. BC tries to give the federal government, the benefit of the doubt on this, but the Justice Minister, uh, Lametti, appeared before a committee of Parliament on Monday afternoon, uh, and the Parliament committee is looking into the same issue, bail reform. And you can see uh, Mr. Lametti's presentation on the committee's website. It runs about 35 minutes. I watched it yesterday, and I went... This guy's not serious about the problem. Uh, Lametti tells the committee that the changes that Canada made uh, in the criminal code in 2019, the changes the federal government made, uh, they did not fundamentally change the rules around bail. He says the legislation is fundamentally good. He says the view that it's led to a catch-and-release justice system is based on misinformation. He says the data that shows a problem are not reliable. He says, yes, uh, he'll be in listening mode on Friday when he meets with Farnworth and the other uh, justice and solicitor general ministers across the country. He'll listen, but it doesn't sound like he's very enthusiastic about making changes. He warned that Ottawa will not consider changes in the bail system that would lead to more court challenges that could be successful or that would increase the number of Indigenous people and racialized Canadians who were already in jail. But there is some kind of compromise that they can reach, right? Yeah, so the one thing that did come up, and it was, uh, to his credit, raised by BCMP Randy Garrison. He asked the minister about this. So the premiers, in a letter to the prime minister in January, proposed a change in the reverse onus provision in the act. So reverse onus means that the accused needs to persuade the court that they can be safely put out on bail. There's no danger to public safety. There are some provisions in there, intimate 
partner violence, for instance, the accused has to persuade the court to be safe to let them out. Uh, so the the premiers, Simi, are proposing that that provision, reverse onus, be extended to a whole category of weapons offenses. So not just the use of a firearm, but if you're arrested carrying a loaded weapon or a restricted weapon, you would have, the accused in that case, would have to persuade the court that they could be let out safely on bail without any risk to the public. So it would be a significant change. Yeah. Lametti didn't rule it out. You're right. That's the one place where he left the door open. But if you go over all of his comments together, hmm, I don't think Ottawa is persuaded on this. The premier was asked about this yesterday, Simi. He said, well, he's heard Lametti say a bunch of times that he's open to changing the bail provisions. But he also said it's urgent. It needs to be done now. And, well, Simi, we've been talking about this for over a well, year. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and claiming there's a data problem. I mean, David Eby used to say that, too, until his own review said, no, there isn't a data problem. There's a problem, right? So... I wonder, when E.B. says it's urgent, if he's really persuaded Ottawa that we need to act now, or whether this is going to be another one of those things where Ottawa says, yes, yes, we're listening, and oh, yes, this idea has merit, and we'll get on to it right away, and nothing happens. It happened on money laundering last year. I think the great risk is the same thing could happen on bail reform this year. Mm, okay, so there's more to come on that one, but I also want to talk about this Surrey situation with yes. you, because I had this thought when I heard you know the mayor Brenda Locke talking about using their share of the uh, provincial kind of you know grant that they're giving to communities for their transition and to pay down property taxes. My first thought was, can they do that? Apparently, they can. It it involves kind of a clever little two-step, but here's the way it works. So you're right. The provincial government has announced one-time funding to municipalities for infrastructure. They say the money has to be put into a separate account, and you have to be able to show residents that it accelerated development of community projects, so sewers or lights or community centers and all that. So how would you use that to pay down the cost of police transition and reduce this year's property taxes. Well, here's how you do it, and it emerged yesterday. Surrey takes the provincial money, $90 million, and uses it for the purposes that the provincial government says it must be used. One-time funding, community centers, projects that are infrastructure. It does that with projects that were already scheduled to take up some money this year. Those savings because now the province is paying for the infrastructure, those savings are then used to take pressure off other parts of the budget and reduce the necessary, Surrey says, 17.5% tax increase. Surrey says, the mayor of Surrey, Brenda Locke, says it probably knocked 5% off that. So the province still needs to sign off on this, but the initial indications we got, yes, Simi, yesterday was, yeah, they can do that. Hmm. The, premier, the premier warned it's only one time. Yeah. Like the provincial money is one time. So Surrey is saying, well, you know, this tax increase is going to run for three years and it'll be even more if we have to stick with the Surrey police force. So 
It looks like a stopgap measure. I call it a two-step, but there you go. It looks like they can get away with it once. I call it a shell game. Because well, <laughs> they're moving a lot of money around underneath, and you don't know where it's going or where it came from. Yes, but uh, you're going to have to tell people under which shell the pea is, because uh, the provincial and the uh, and Surrey governments are going to give you different versions of that. Yeah, okay. I, I, boy, Surrey residents, I feel the for Surrey, them these the days. The Surrey thing is like a, a gift for sarcasm in the political realm. I have to, to, to say that Surrey has it really boxed itself into one hell of a mess, and it doesn't look to me like it's going to be settled anytime soon. Isn't that announcement supposed to come soon, though? Uh, yes. So E.B. was asked about that yesterday as well. He said, well, you know, what's going to happen with the, the transition thing? And he reiterated the provincial position that Surrey's plan to go back to the RCMP is being scrutinized by the province. And what the Solicitor General's ministry and the head of policing services have to do is certify that the plan will put no risk at public safety in British Columbia and in Surrey. He said that verdict, if the, ver- if the verdict is no risk to public safety, Surrey can go ahead. We are waiting that decision. We are told it is a matter of weeks, not months. Uh, time is running out. Uh, and, you know, my guess is the plan will be found wanting, but uh, the government is really, really being careful what it says about that, I think. Surrey, the, uh, the the provincial government would just be glad to be rid of this no thing kidding. and hand it back to Surrey, whatever the decision is. No kidding. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye. Cindy. That's Vaughn Palmer there from the Vancouver Sun. Yeah, I would love to hear from Surrey residents on that because that's some kind of economic shenanigans going on there with money that was supposed to be for something new in Surrey, some kind of infrastructure in Surrey. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. (laughs) And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.